0: Hey, Sound Opinions listeners, if you support us on Patreon, you get to listen to our podcast ad free on Patreon.
1: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo
0: concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never
1: have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more
0: muscle memory
1: that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com/metaverseimpact. So now, listen, gentlemen, it is start time. Are you ready for start time?
2: From Columbia College, Chicago, and distributed nationally by PRX, this is
0: Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Kott. This week, we're talking about the role of drummers in rock. Oftentimes, lots of the arrangements uh,
3: are kind of determined by the drummer. Sometimes, uh, the drum part is inseparable from
2: the song. We'll talk about what makes the drummer so important, and we'll share some of our favorite drum fills.
0: That's all coming up on Sound Opinions.
2: Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since
0: 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy
1: responsibly.
2: Sound Opinions is an independent production supported by this station and by contributions from listeners like you. Thanks for your support.
4: One more time, I want to give the drummer some of this funky soul we got, here. Yeah. You don't have to do no soloing, brother, just keep what you got. Don't turn it loose, because it's a mother.
0: You're listening to Sound Opinions, and, uh, you know, the lead singer is the guy in the band that usually gets most of the attention, the spotlight at the front of the stage. But this week we're going to focus on someone uh, who's usually a little further back on the stage, the drummer. Someone who doesn't always get the attention, but is often just as deserving. Greg, as a drummer, I could not agree more. (laughs) It is satisfying to
2: hear you say that. To start this show, we thought we needed to know a little bit more about what a drummer does and how he or she fits in with a band. For that insight, we spoke with drummer and composer Joe Wong. He is the host of The Trap Set, a podcast that is just about drummers. Joe has interviewed dozens and dozens of drummers, from jazz fusion great Billy Cobham, to Brendan Canty of Fugazi, to Bill Ward of Black Sabbath. He even interviewed Me. Wow. Uh, For this conversation on our show with him, we started by asking why the drummer doesn't always get the same level of respect as others in the band.
3: I think it's because uh, drummers are inherently nurturing people, (laughs) and um, because of that, uh, they are taken advantage of. Right. We give and we give and we give. (laughs)
0: What is this, a therapy class here? I thought we were talking it about is. drummers. Yeah, uh, I
3: think, uh, you know, drumming drums are uh, the most difficult instrument uh, logistically and lifestyle-wise. I mean, you have to, from the very beginning, have a place to set up and play. And then when you want to start playing shows, you need to get a vehicle. Yeah. So, um, We're still operating in the paradigm um, from when sheet music was uh, the medium of choice. And even though drum beats are oftentimes essential to a song and inseparable from the song itself, drummers often get paid the very least.
1: All
2: right, uh, Joe, let's start with the basics. What would you say the role of drums are in, in rock, and in popular music, uh, you know, you know on, on, a, on a non-technical level, for the non-musicians?
3: I think that uh, the drums, more than any other instrument, are what inject the sexual energy into rock and roll music. Mm. The beat is what makes you want to dance, and it, it's what made uh, parents reject rock and roll in the very beginning
4: me i got well enough break got to um
3: and i think it also uh the drums are what enables lyrics to sound profound if you, take, if you take lots of rock lyrics in a vacuum and just try to read them as poetry without a drum beat, it's not going to work. The right. drums are kind of what makes
0: the singer sound important. <laughs> That's an interesting perspective. Um, most of the singers that I've uh, dealt with uh, tolerate drummers, but they don't necessarily uh, you know, say they're making me mo- sound more profound. Uh, the perception is that drummers aren't really listening to the words. They're not listening to the song. Uh, they're about keeping that beat. They're driven by, you know, rhythm, um, you know, the loudness, the quietness, the nuance. You know, those aren't necessarily huge concerns uh, when, when they're behind the kit. Um, do, do you find that there's sort of a inherent bias within rock band uh, against a drummer? Well, I think what you were just describing is
3: perhaps a bad drummer or an inexperienced drummer, <laughs> but, but any good drummer, of course, is listening to everything just as much as any other instrument. And just, just as any great guitar player usually has a great sense of rhythm, you know, uh, a drummer has a good sense of melody and is, is there to support that. I think that drummers could be considered the leader of a band in so much as they are fulfilling the role that perhaps a conductor does with a classical orchestra. You know, they're setting up the transitions from one section of a song to the next, they're determining the dynamic levels as far as dropping down to a quiet section or back up to a climax.
2: And, of course, they're counting off the songs and determining the tempo. You, you think about <laughs> singers from Sinatra to James Brown yeah. to, to uh, I don't know, uh, Taylor Swift today mm. and the way that they will turn
0: and and signal the drummer and the drummer goes right where they want. Have you never seen that? I've also heard it said that uh, you uh, a great drummer can me- turn a mediocre band into a much better band. Thank you. Um, so there, there is an essential role there, obviously, and I think what, we're, what I'm trying to get at is what defines that role. You know, the, the joke in the Spinal Tap movie was obviously that the drummer is constantly, you know, disappearing. He's, he's getting blown up, and, you know, it, it, it's just a rotating seat back there. He, he exploded on stage. Yeah.
3: Just like that.
0: But obviously a great drummer uh, can define a rock band. And I guess, uh, what what are the essential qualities of a great drummer?
3: Uh, That they're a great listener and uh, oftentimes a great arranger. Oftentimes lots of the arrangements uh, are kind of determined by the drummer. Um, And sometimes uh, the drum part is inseparable from the song. Picture come together without that iconic drum beat. Or um, Billie Jean without that iconic drum lead-in. There isn't just one role that the drums can play. They're not simply there to support uh, the song. I think that, you know, transitioning from being uh, an adequate drummer to a great drummer means that not only are you supporting the song, but you're inseparable from the song.
2: Um, Go. Let's talk about some of the folks you've talked to. We're more than a hundred drummers at this point. Uh, after talking to all of these drummers, uh, all across the the musical spectrum, have you noticed a couple of things that they they have in common, personality wise?
3: Well, as um, as Greg uh, mentioned earlier, there's this perception that drummers are expendable. And in fact, lots of drummers are (laughs) kicked out of the bands that they helped make great. And I think that um, the fact that uh, drummers put so much energy into making uh, an artist or a band sound great and then are thrown away like trash makes them reckon with themselves in a way that other instrumentalists perhaps don't have to. And I think as a result, they have a level of... Uh, Self-awareness and introspection and wisdom that is perhaps lacking in other instrumentalists. Mm -mm. (laughs)
2: So they're good interview subjects.
3: Yeah, I mean, okay. so, for example, I just spoke to Ralph Johnson from Earth, Wind & Fire. There were a few drummers in Earthwind and Fire, but Ralph was um, and kind of Maurice like the sol- White
2: was was a drummer initially for the Chess. Yeah, he was uh, a
3: duty for Chess. Yeah, but it, his role in Earthwind and Fire was primarily that of the songwriter and leader. And at one point, Maurice decided that the band was just going to stop touring, and Ralph, uh, you know, wasn't getting the giant royalty checks at that point. Um, and you know, he went off and sold stereos. And I feel like when you have to kind of. Uh, examine your identity apart from being that guy that plays drums from Earth, Wind, and Fire, and really think about who you are as a person. After achieving that kind of massive success, um, it leads to a more interesting, uh, balanced view of yourself.
2: And that's that's interesting. We're also starting to see, aren't we, Joe, uh, the physical rigors of drumming. I mean, Neil Peart uh, has been saying that, you know, he can't play up to the standards uh, he did with Rush for all those decades uh, just physically anymore. You know, it it, it takes a toll. Yeah, I think it
3: it actually, it definitely depends on the style of drumming, but yeah, uh, Neil Peart retired, and uh, Phil Collins can't play drums anymore uh, because he messed up his back from years of drumming. On the other hand, I mean, Roy Haynes sounds just as great as ever, and and I saw Elvin Jones a few times um, in the last couple years of his life, and he probably sounded better then than he did. (laughs)
2: Charlie Watts was well past 70 years old and he was still rocking stadiums with the flick of his left hand.
3: Yeah, I think it depends on how kind of ergonomic your style is. And some drummers develop a style that just happens to sound good, but it's more athletic. And, and other drummers develop a style that's almost zen like, and they can create this massive sound without expending too much energy. I see people turn their heads up quickly.
0: in in a rock band you know the essence of the drummer is is you know a rhythm keeper let the you know the basic role You're, you're keeping the time you're you're in some ways uh guiding the arrangement by the rhythm that you keep um what about the notion of the drums as a lead instrument in rock where do you where do you stand on that
3: well as I kind of alluded to before I think that the drummer can be a leader in the sense that they're kind of um, steering the ship from the drum chair, but as far as the instrument being the main focus, I think that's more rare. Um, it can happen. Uh, one example that springs to mind is is John Stainer of Battles, who sets up right in the front of the stage. Mm.
2: Um, yeah.
3: I feel like uh, you know if you listen to a song like Atlas, uh, it, you know the drums are very much kind of the focus of that song. I would say that in, in some cases, Yaki from Can is the leader of that band or the main focus. Uh, you know, as much as I love Damo's uh, vocals, I don't think I'm listening for the vocals. I think they're just another texture and the drums kind of take the center stage for me.
2: Yeah, Yaki, uh, uh, Leapazite is is, is is clearly integral to the Can sound. Yeah, and sometimes
3: it's just kind of like the lead instrument. Like that's yeah. what I'm listening to more than anything else.
0: Baby So it's okay for rock drummers to be the lead instrument is what you're saying. In your yeah.
3: Mind. But I, but I also wouldn't marginalize the drummers that are just great supporting players because it's probably just as difficult to be the straight man in a comedy duo as it is to be the yuck the guy yucking it up and and it's that's why they give out Oscars for Best Supporting Actor as well as Best Lead Actor, well, yeah, right? Well, yeah,
2: you know, a- Abbott uh, Abbott is uh, is the key to Costello, you know. That's right. I mean, Bud Abbott. All right, see, see, this is the, the you know, Greg is, is leaving out the context here, uh, Joe. We have been fighting. Yeah,
3: because Greg, what's your opinion? Well, we've I been fighting, you know, let, love, let me just say. I love lead
2: drums. Let me say one name <laughs> here. This this is a fight that we've been having for 20 years. Keith Moon. This is the fight. I'm anti And I'm what do you mean? You mean you're
3: anti you don't like Keith Moon?
2: I do not like Keith Moon. I think that he attempts to uh, command the spotlight all the time, constantly throughout the who. And I find it an immense distraction.
4: All the people, they step back when a young man walked by.
2: And, and I, I've I would, said I've said drums should and, not be a lead and, instrument, with notable exceptions. Yaki Lipizite, uh, uh I think Battles, uh, you know, is, is a good one. Um, sometimes the Feelies do that, but 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 very rare. And it's and when it's done, uh, uh, it has to be done right and, and 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 tastefully. And I I just
0: I tasteful, I, yeah, tasteful. Rock yeah. has to be tasteful. I believe the <laughs> drums, new one on the me, drums have to be yep. tasteful, and yeah. Keith
2: Moon is not tasteful. He's All just right. a wanker. What about Keith Moon?
3: I, Tell us about I, Keith Moon, Jim. I love Keith Moon. I love Keith Moon. I think... I understand what you're saying uh jim but i think for some reason it works for me i think the fact that it's distasteful adds <laughs> adds a, a, an element of chaos into that band i mean he's blowing stuff up and uh, figuratively and literally and it
0: just kind of works um, i mean i mean I, the I, performance to me and i can see for miles by the who um uh, you know it, those songs were being arranged around Keith's drumming
4: Well here's a poke at you, are gonna choke on it too, you're gonna lose that the
0: I see And as you said, Joe, about the drummer playing an integral role as an arranger, I think Pete Townsend arranged a lot of those songs so that Keith's voice as a drummer uh, would be out front, and it was intentional. It wasn't like Keith was usurping the song. In many ways the song was written around his style of drumming. Well, I guess it my would be a my, different my, my problem with The Who, you
2: know, is 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 more than Moon. Moon is the biggest <laughs> problem, you know, Entwistle plays too much. Daltrey is is a horrible cheese dog and and Moon it is It sounds like is, you just
3: don't like The you Who. Just, no, yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't <laughs> like
2: The Who. But but let me tell you how I think of Moon's drumming, right? I think of Moon's drumming like a bad metal guitar soloist uh, who is doing hammer-ons. Oh, we, don't, we don't do <laughs> the whole time, you know what I mean? And, like, hammer-ons never worked in any song ever. Should not be done. And neither should Moon's non-stop drum fill with the cymbal crashes in the middle of the fills. I just—that's me. That's, that's just me.
3: Something about the way that Keith Moon is always kind of going outside of his comfort zone, and it feels like the songs are always on the verge of train wrecking, but they never quite train wreck, is what gives the Who part— their kind of essential energy.
2: In my okay, opinion. all right. Well, I think that's an eloquent defense of Moon.
0: We're, we're going to focus a little bit uh, on drum fills, Joe. First of all, could you define uh, a drum fill for us? I think uh, a drum beat is the sentence, and the drum fill
3: is the punctuation. Ooh. So it, it can be a comma to lead us into the second clause of the sentence. It can be a period or an exclamation mark. And sometimes it can even be a question mark, uh, the fill. But it's it's there to kind of bridge things together or put a period on things.
0: You know, some people have compared it to a guitar riff. It's similar to that. Uh, Would you agree? I think a beat is
3: similar to a riff in the sense that it's repetitive. Whereas a fill is something that usually only happens once.
0: so joe, give us give us a sense of uh, what your favorite drum fills are that that will help us uh, focus what what exactly you're looking for in a drum fill or how you define it.
3: See, for me, it's difficult to just pick a favorite drum fill absent the beat that it's coming from. Uh, it's kind of like like using the punctuation analogy, it's like, well, what's your favorite exclamation mark? Well, it depends on the sentence. Tony Allen, uh, who is most famous for playing with Felicuti, had a signature fill um, that feels like a sense of weightlessness. It's a syncopated Tom fill that he executes in lots of his songs. It makes the song feel like it's floating uh, in midair for a second, and then he drops back down into the groove and the weight comes back. How about another? Uh, Well, uh, one that lots of people cite is uh, the break in Rock Steady uh, by Aretha Franklin uh, with Bernard Purdy on drums. Yeah. That's another incredible, timeless uh, drum break. It's been sampled a million times. And it kind of, that it kind of skirts the line between being a fill and a beat. Um, because it basically, when everybody drops out, it's kind of an elevated version of the beat. And then he caps it off with this really cool signature Purdy hi hat thing um, and brings it back in and and basically the function that that has in the song is it just brings everything up so that when the chorus comes back in it just feels huge it feels like a climax
2: I, I'm, you know, as you know, I'm a huge John Bonham fan. Um, do we consider the beginning of rock and roll by Led Zeppelin uh, with the hi-hat thing, which yeah, I'm 53. I, I've been trying to play that at least twice a week for my entire drumming life since age 13. I've never mastered it. I have no idea. You know, that 64th note or whatever the hell it is thing on the hi-hat. Is that yeah, a hi-hat it's... intro to, to to rock and roll, a fill or part of the beat?
3: I feel like it's an intro (laughs) you know just like a guitar just like um yet another category well i feel like it's yeah i I see what you're saying where that's close to a riff in the same sense that like the dazed to dazed and confused riff is the intro to that song right that bass riff I think of a fill as something that kind of bridges one part of the beat to the other, like filling in the space. So um, so the
2: thunderous th- intro that Bonham plays when Stairway to Heaven kicks into high gear. Yeah, exactly. That Tom fill, that would be... That would, I, I think of that as a fill. <laughs> That's a classic fill.
0: We've been talking to uh, Joe Wong, who uh, heads up the Trap Set podcast in Los Angeles. Joe, thanks for coming on Sound Opinions. Thanks for having me, guys.
2: When we come back, Greg and I will share some of our favorite drum performances. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions. Sound Opinions is sponsored by Factor. Factor's ready to eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success. Skip the grocery store, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like Keto, Calorie Smart, Vegan and Veggie, and more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of
0: nutritious and flavorful options. Factor now offers additional options like breakfast, smoothies, juices, snacks, and more to keep you going no matter what's on the schedule. When things get hectic, Factor is flexible. Change your order up every week or pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. So if you want to try Factor and
2: make your life easier, here's what you need to do. Head to factormeals.com soundops50 and use code soundops50 to get 50% off.
0: That's code soundops50 at factormeals.com soundops50 to get 50% off.
2: sound opinions is supported by goose island since 1988 goose island has been brewing award-winning beers in chicago that are inspired by this city Take 312 Lemonade Shandy, Tropical Beer Hug Double IPA, and a rotating series of hazy IPAs only available in Chicago. Uh, you know,
0: every time we go down to the Goose
2: Island, there's another one that they're pushing on us.
0: That's right. You and know, they're all good. Absolutely. And uh, what supporters of, of musical culture, you know, in, in the city of Chicago and elsewhere, uh, if you go to a show in Chicago and you see that Goose Island uh, sign, you know, you know when you're in good hands. Uh, They're music fans as well as great uh, beer makers at Goose Island. So we're really proud to be associated with them. The Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer.
2: And we are back. Before the break, we talked about the role of drums in rock music. Now we're going to share some of our favorite drummers and drumming moments in pop music history. Licks, beats, fills, even
0: solos. It's all up for grabs. Greg What have you got to start us off? Jim, I wanted to focus on a drummer who I don't think gets enough attention, Martin Atkins. He's uh, He runs a label in Chicago called Invisible. He's a, he's a Brit that uh, came to Chicago uh, and has become a label owner, an author, a professor, a rabble-rouser. Uh, he's always been a punk, a great public speaker, a raconteur, and also a great drummer. He's worked with Ministry, Nine Inch Nails, his group Pig Face, Killing Joke. Uh, but some of his best work came early in his career with Public Image Limited, yeah. their third album, uh, The Flowers of Romance. Uh, Atkins played a big role. Role and gave the drums a big role in that record because he was such a powerful percussionist. The track I'm going to focus on is called Under the House. It's basically drums and vocals by one Johnny Lydon, the, the head of Public Image Limited. Formerly Johnny Rock Yes. With uh, Sex Pistols broke up, he formed Public Image Limited. It was an art punk band in the uh, finest sense of the words art and punk, uh, very experimental, flipping the rock hierarchy around foregrounding the the so-called background instruments, in this case, the drums, and making them the lead uh, instruments on the track with Lydon's vocals buried way back, uh, competing for space in the mix with an opera that was playing on a TV set in the background. Uh, The tom drumming on this track is like a rampaging herd of elephants. There's some uh, echo effects here that sort of were were intended to replicate what uh, the producer, Nick Launay, loved about Spanish gypsy music, a.k.a. flamenco, Uh, The hand clapping uh, with the the drum beats, uh, of course, much more powerful and robust uh, than hand clapping. Uh, A marvelous example of lead drums on this track. Under the House from Public Image Limited and Martin Atkins on Sound Opinions. Under the house from Public Image Limited, Martin Atkins on those rampaging drums. What have you got for us first, Jim?
2: Well, Greg, you know, as a drummer myself, as a lover of percussive instruments, as a uh, former contributor to Modern Drummer Magazine, I'm going to try to uh, illustrate a different aspect of what I value about great rock and pop drumming with each track. There's only one place for me to start. Uh, you know, I got a lot of tattoos. I got a lot of ink. I got only one drummer commemorated on mm. my skin. Bass drum foot, John Bonham's Three Rings mm. from Led Zeppelin Four uh, Bonham, simply put, is the best rock drummer Ever, And it isn't about showiness. It isn't about uh, 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 complications, although some of his parts are really tricky and amazingly unique. It's about feel. I've interviewed John Paul Jones, the bassist in Led Zeppelin, a number of times. Once at South by Southwest in front of about a thousand ardent fans. I asked him about Bonzo and he said, you know, that guy could sit down and play the old fiberboard carrying cases for his drums and it would still sound exactly like Bonham. For the track I'm going to play When the Levee Breaks uh, he actually set up at the bottom of a staircase and there was nothing but two stereo microphones at the top of the stairs. Zeppelin was recording with the mobile unit that Rolling Stones owned uh, at Headley Grange out in the countryside and it was just monstrous. Page said I had this riff but it was Bonzo's drums that made it everything. How good is this Drum part, Uh, you know, for one thing, it starts with a couple of bars of the song. Isolated. But it's more than that. There's a reason it's been sampled more. And I think this is a conservative number 120 mm. other hit recordings. People from Eminem to the Beastie Boys, from Beyonce and Jack White partnering up, to Dr. Dre to Be Orc, mm. they have all drawn parts of this drum part. Um, it is the feel, it is the power, it is the uh, just. Pure solidity. These are cinder blocks banging against hmm. a wall. There's no subtlety here. I believe Bonham was playing the Ludwig Orange Vistalite set on this track. Hmm. I had to go buy one. When I, <laughs> when I, you know, I, I just, I, I mean, this is as good as rock drumming gets. John Bonham, Led Zeppelin, when the levee breaks on Sound Opinions. taught me to weep and moan. Led Zeppelin reinterpreting, of course, the great Memphis Mini on Zeppelin 4 in 71. Greg, your next drummer track.
0: Jim, I wanted to highlight uh, Janet Weiss's extraordinary work in Slater-Kinney, a mm-hmm. band she was in for a number of years. She's no longer with Slater-Kinney, which I think is a great loss for that band. Uh, but Janet Weiss remains one of my favorite drummers of all time. I mean, wherever she has played, she's done, uh, put her mark on it. Uh, and, and she continues a great tradition. I think there's a lot of uh, women drummers in particular who've been s- truly innovative on the instrument. Uh, you know, starting with somebody like Mo Tucker of the Velvet Underground, uh, Sheila E., Gina Schock of the Go Go's, all the way up through, you know, somebody like Stella Mosgwa from uh, from Warpaint. Yeah. Uh, Janet Weiss, very much within that tradition of innovation and talent and just skill uh, that's mind blowingly great. Uh, you, you know, she's a. Uh, she uh has been in so many bands and elevated what they do she had a very she continues to have a long-running uh partnership with sam coombs in the band quasi uh in addition she's played with stephen malkmus and the jicks uh the slater kinney off wild flag of an amazing record from uh yeah. more than a decade ago now uh bright eyes the go-betweens the shins uh, but let's, you know, Slater-Kinney, I think, is where the, you know, some of the, her best work is.
2: I think they're hurting without her.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you know, she serves the song. That's the thing about her, that it makes her such a great drummer. She understands the arrangement. In fact, she had a huge role in, in Slater-Kinney's uh, arrangements. Uh, in many cases, uh, she was key to those songs' development. Where to accent, where to lay back, where to drive, where to color in the textures around the melody and the verses. Um, I wanted to highlight that with the song Youth Decay from uh, Slater Kinney's 1999 album, All Hands on the Bad One. You know, just listen to what Weiss is doing at the end of each verse, the accents that she's putting on to punctuate those verses, the little syncopations, the fills and accent marks on this song are just superb. And and at the same time, driving it headlong until it feels like it's running off the rails at the very end. It's two minutes of excitement from a great drummer. Janet Weiss from Slaterkin is Youth Decay on Sound Opinions. That is Youth Decay from Slater Kinney with Janet Weiss on drums. Jim, what's your next pick? Greg, when the levee breaks and bottom, it's all about that
2: beat and the feel. The next song I'm going to highlight, XTC's Senses Working Overtime, is about a great drum fill. Several of them, actually. What's a fill? We were talking about that with Joe. It can connect uh, one part of a song to another, can happen once, can happen several times. Uh, Terry Chambers is not a name a lot of people would put among the greats, but I think he put XTC on the map. His drumming was incredibly innovative on the first uh, six albums or so by XTC. He was working with uh, engineer Hugh Padham. It was all about the tom-toms, much like Martin Atkins on Flowers of Romance, avoiding cymbals, as the feelies always said. Mm. The cymbals clash with the frequency of the guitars. So it's this tribal African beat, but then these wonderful musical films. That are essentially hooks as Andy Partridge builds up. I've got one, two, three, four, five senses working overtime. You know, the phrase, the melody, the hook is completed by Terry Chambers on his tom-toms. It's just a brilliant Uh, There's a good documentary uh, recent, This Is Pop, on Showtime about XTC. Everybody in the band, uh, you feel sorry for them because it was Andy Partridge's train set. He didn't want to share with anybody else. I think Terry Chambers is the most overlooked member. Here he is, Senses Working Overtime by XTC on Sound Opinions. One two three four five. Sense is working overtime.
0: XTC. Greg, your next drummer. Yes, Jim. I'm I'm proud to uh, highlight once again the great, the late great Clyde Stubblefield. Uh, you know when we, when we talk about that phrase, "Give the drummer some." James He's Brown, the funky drummer. He was looking at Clyde Stubblefield. Said, yeah. Give the drummer some. He knew what he was talking about. Uh, funky drummer. Uh, The highlight track in in, in any Clyde Stubblefield uh, reel is one of the most sampled drum beats in music history. You talk about uh, When the Levee Breaks by uh, John Bonham. This is right up there with that. Um, Stubblefield was a master drummer. I love these guys uh, who, who, as they say, lay back and burn. They (laughs) They never overplay, but they know exactly what to do to keep things danceable. You know, Roger Hawkins with the Muscle Shoals rhythm section, or Al Jackson, the great Stax drummer. Stubblefield played that role with uh, Brown's band. When Brown sort of dispensed with chord changes and basically turned every instrument in his band into a percussion instrument, he centered everything around those drums. Uh, Clyde Stubblefield was the guy. Clyde Stubblefield's left hand is basically God. If you talk to any <laughs> drummer, they will say, Clyde Stubblefield's left hand. That's incredible. Just listen to what he's doing with the left hand. What he was doing with that left hand on the song I Got the Feeling is incredible. He plays this what they call a drop whip, kind of a, a three-beat kind of sequence against the eighth notes on the hi-hat. And this groove is just, you cannot escape it. It Melds with the bass and the horns to create this incredible sense of syncopation. It's very simple, very subtle, but he is a master at it. And when he adds little accents to it on top of it, you just go crazy with how wonderful the beat is making you feel. I believe you're you're genuinely excited. This This is is, nice to hear you talk this way about it. You want me to show you how to play it sometime? Well... You know, let me tell you. I've watched drummers do it, and I'm impressed. But nobody can do what Stubblefield did it the way Stubblefield I actually agree. did. I it. agree. Clyde Stubblefield on James Brown's "I Got the Feeling" on Sound Opinions. It's a great Clyde Stubblefield. I got the feeling by James Brown. Jim, what's your final great drum track? Uh, you know, I have to end by
2: uh, emphasizing, Greg, that I think the drums are primarily a support instrument. They are both the foundation of all rock and pop modern music, but they're not supposed to be showy. That's my problem with Keith Moon. There are very, very intricate drummers, Neil Peart of Rush, who are still musical. Uh, I value, though, concision, musicality, and feel above all. I love Ringo Starr. I love Marky and Tommy Ramone. Mm. They're perfect. They're simple, but they're always perfect. I guess if i got to choose one, though, I'm going with Charlie Watts. Listen to Hunky Tonk Woman. You know, it starts with eight bars of just percussion. I always thought Charlie was playing the cowbell and then coming in with the drums uh, in the beat that sets up Keith Richards' guitar riff for the song, and then uh, a really tasteful, very musical fill. Uh, it wasn't. It was Jimmy Miller plays cowbell, mm. and Watts then comes in with drums, but they're integral. And when I learned to play it, uh, spending those endless months in my basement at age 13, I played both the cowbell mm. and, the, and the drum part. Charlie's all about the feel. He's British, uh, and he's a Brit who loves R&B and jazz. Uh, there's this uniquely British thing where they're always slightly behind the beat, yeah. as opposed to an American drummer who's often on top of the beat or in front of the beat. Charlie's always behind. You know, he speeds up, he slows down. If we put a metronome to him, and, you know, modern drummer mm-hmm. and magazines like this have done that, he's a mess, mm-hmm. right? He's not consistent, but he's perfect. He's perfect, and, and it's about the feel. It's about the groove. It's about breathing, the way your body breathes. And you you speed up as you get excited and you slow down sometimes as Mm -hmm. you take a pause. That's Charlie. Just listen to and value what he's doing on Honky Tonk Woman. By the Stones, 1969 on Sound Opinions. As always, we want to hear from you. What's your favorite drum fill and why? Leave a message on our website, soundopinions.org. Coming up next, we hear from one of the most influential and most sampled drummers of all time, Bernard
0: Purdy. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions. Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island. Since 1988, Goose Island's been brewing beers in the spirit of Chicago. You can find IPAs,
2: Lemonade Shandy, and limited releases in-store or at one of Goose's venues in Chicago. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer.
1: Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts.
0: And we're back. This week, we are all about drums. And, you know, in the 60s and 70s, uh, Bernard Pretty Purdy was one of the most prolific session drummers out there. One of my absolute favorites. If you listen to a Steely Dan record, an Aretha Franklin record, James Brown, Al Cooper, Nina Simone, Hall & Oates, Miles Davis, hundreds more, Bernard Pretty Purdy was on there. You know, his style, Greg, is known as the Purdy Shuffle. Not only has it influenced a generation or three of drummers, but it's frequently been sampled ever since the 80s. Purdy's unique uh, style shines in uh, tracks like that 1970 soul classic, Ooh Child, by the Five Stair Steps. Former Sound Opinions producer Ayana Contreras spoke with Purdy about his career and contributions to popular music starting with that song.
4: Well, Ucha was also a demo. And at that particular time, uh, Stan Vincent, who wrote it, he was he also put down he was the producer. <laughs> we didn't have anything for two hours, we just couldn't. He wanted the he, he wanted the country. He wanted this. He wanted that. By the time two hours had come about, we had not had a real good part for the uh, song. You know, knowing him, and when working with him on other stuff, I said, "Stan, just give me ten minutes." Changed a few few things, and he said, "Pretty, but ten minutes. That's all I'm asking." He said, "Oh, okay, okay." Ten minutes later, sorry, fifteen minutes later. Ooh, child.
1: Ooh, child. Things are gonna get easier. Ooh, child. Things get brighter. Ooh, child. It's interesting because that song, listening to it, really, it is your drum licks that introduce the song and really just give it this forward momentum. Exactly.
4: Because this is what they heard. The kids, the guys that wrote it, the family, they were all family members. They heard it. And, oh, yeah, oh, pretty, yeah. And uh, we did it. We actually, 20 minutes later... We have Uchaw. Uchaw made Stan Vincent a millionaire. A millionaire. The writing, the productions, and (laughs) how many times did uh, this thing get in movies, soundtracks, and all this other stuff? A couple of thousand. Not a couple of hundred, but it's been sampled so much and been in so many movies, for me, there was a lot of things that I had to learn that I didn't know I was producing back in the 60s or the 70s. I do my job. It was a job for me. But I did learn the technical part, and I finally went out and I started producing some records myself. But if I'd have known, with all those records that came through.
1: Purdy is referring to iconic records that he played on, like Just One Look by Doris Troy. And Gil Scott Heron's The Revolution Will Not Be Televised.
4: I didn't know that I was actually producing records. I just hear things. But I also knew what I was doing. They all called me to to do and to play. They wait for me to play and make these records. So I did learn that I had something to offer. I just didn't learn the business soon enough to get some of the ooh-gobble-gobbles money. (laughs)
1: and that's the thing I mean you have this and you're saying all these people calling out to you the wide variety of artists a lot of jazz Mm -hmm. a lot of like I would say almost primarily jazz but every genre every genre absolutely every genre and it's a really signature sound. Um, but one particular song I just have to ask you about, because it wasn't a hit, it's just a random, it's, it's a random B-side that was by Melvin Bliss. And it was written produced by uh, Herbert Rooney of The Exciters, who had a big hit with Tell Him." But this is a throwaway song called Synthetic Substitution that starts with your drum break which becomes the basically the basis of a whole entire genre of hip hop. The boom bap sound. Yes. So I could do boom boom bap, boom boom bap I'm probably missing the note in there but that's all you. alright. The sun used to shine On my
2: street, on my street The moon the moon...
4: Yeah, and the, the the nicest part for me is that I'm still around to see this, and they are finally calling me for some of the stuff that I've done. They're finally asking me to, you know, do copyright.
1: And that's what's interesting. I saw that, yeah, that that you you've done drums that people can purchase mm-hmm. and sample, and you get the... Yeah. Because, I mean, I think people don't understand, or maybe some people don't understand, the way the samples work, where if you played on the record, you don't necessarily get the bread. No. No.
4: Only the artists. Right. Uh, only the artists. It's the same thing with, the uh, like, Rocksteady. They gotta pay Aretha.
1: So it's like performance um, uh, and songwriting, like mm-hmm. whoever has the publishing, right. and that's it. And that's everybody it. else, especially, and then it's so funny because it's the drum break, <laughs> right? Like it's the drum.
4: <laughs> and that's what rappers—they all feel that they are writing songs by taking my beat from a song, this one, that one, and using it, and never offering. So, yes, I was bitter for a while. No more. I stopped being bitter because bitter m- means that you don't live long because you're going to be upset and you're going to go out fighting with people to get money and then and, and get your credit. Y'all got it. I'll turn it over to lawyers now. I have learned that I just want to have fun. I want to enjoy myself and have a ball. I give lectures all over the world. And I'm just happy, happy to
2: be able to say that I can still play. That is legendary drummer Bernard Pretty Purdy, who spoke with our former Sound Opinions producer Ayana Contreras. Hey Ayana, hope you're still
0: listening. Do not forget to check out our bonus podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts.
2: The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this program belong solely to Sound Opinions and not necessarily to Columbia College Chicago or our sponsors. Thanks, as always, to our Patreon supporters. Sound Opinions is produced by Andrew Gill, Alex Claiborne, and our associate producer, Sol Delgadillo. Our Columbia College intern is Max Hatlam, and our social media consultant is Katie Cox.